Carlsbad. People, purpose, and impact. An essential podcast for those who live, work, visit, and play in Carlsbad. Good morning and welcome, everyone. My name is Brett Schonsenbach. I'm the president and CEO of the Carlsbad Chamber of Commerce, and I'm your host today. And I'm very excited to have with me today Kaylee Humphreys, who is an Olympic gold medalist and a fairly recent um, Carlsbad resident. Kaylee, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, very excited about this. So for those who are not familiar with your story, you are now, I believe, a three-time Olympic gold medalist. Correct. And at least a 10-time world champion. Five-time world champion. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Five-time no, world, world champion. Yeah. I think I saw, maybe I saw 10 world championship medals. Yes, that okay. is correct. Okay. The interesting part here, I mean, all of that's interesting, but what's <laughs> really interesting is your first two gold medals were actually for Team Canada, and now your most recent one, which we'll get into, is for Team USA. So you went through quite a transformation, a change from the uh, 2014 gold which was with Team Canada, to coming here and winning your most recent gold just a few months ago for Team USA. And some people might be familiar with your story, but I know there's a lot that aren't, and maybe some of our audience is not. And uh, there was quite a process between those two. So why don't you, well, you know what, before we get into that, let's just start with what got you into your primary thing is bobsled. What got you into bobsled, you know, in the first place? Let's start there because that's got to be a fun story. It's got to be fun. Yes. Um, well, I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Yeah. And so um, lived there for a big chunk of time and then ended up coming down to the United States, being engaged to marrying an American citizen. So moving down, we've lived in Delmar and been residing in Carlsbad now for about six years. Gotcha. And um, competed for Team Canada at 2010, 14, 18 Olympics. And during the 2018 Olympic year, and in that year specifically, and I've had some amazing coaches mm-hmm. and leaders, uh, but in 2018, we hired a brand new head coach, which is a bit unheard of in an Olympic season to make such a drastic change. However, we hired a new coach and him and I did not see eye to eye or get along. And throughout the season, I ended up feeling very abused, harassed, discriminated against based on gender. Um, we are a very male dominated sport as a whole, but I noticed the treatment I specifically was receiving as a female athlete, but me individually as well. I felt very targeted and just on a daily basis was being um, humiliated and demeaned in public. I had a big target on my back being the previous Olympic champion in 2014 going into 18. All eyes are on me constantly. And I'm aware of that. And I understand the pressure and stress that goes into it. But throughout this process, to be humiliated, demeaned, and to be scared physically for my safety. That's when I realized we we had a major issue. I, I would flinch when he came close. So there were certain situations that this coach specifically had been arrested before for assault. And I didn't know if that was ever going to turn into me physically being hit. He had an ultimate fighting background and I was scared. And I never got to a position where throughout that year, I could let myself understand why I started to mentally deteriorate. And it ended up after the Olympic Games, although I won a bronze medal at that Olympics, um, I ended up in a severe depression, which was abnormal for me. There wasn't a post-Olympic blues. It 
was causing hives, rashes. Physically, there was a lot of issues. I was started to see a therapist. Mentally, I was struggling very hard and I didn't recognize myself. So in understanding or with the Olympics being over and trying to break down what had happened, I realized that I felt very threatened in my environment. I felt very unsafe as an athlete around this specific coach and the leadership that were aware because I was con- constantly telling them of how I felt and the lack of safety and trying to remove myself constantly from being around this coach. Um, The leadership continued to force me to be around him all the time. He's the head coach. He's not going anywhere. You can't do anything. And so when I officially made an abuse and harassment claim, I found myself off the team, removal of funding and no longer welcomed. Um, And there was nothing that I could do. And it ended up ending my career in Canada. I feel very proud of myself for taking a stance around my safety and, and physically wanting to be in a safe environment, wanting to do it not only for myself, but for other athletes. There's not many. And if I can be targeted as a three-time Olympic medalist, double Olympic champion for Team Canada, if I'm to be made an example of, how do any other athletes stand a chance, you know? And so I knew it was a risk um, standing up. I knew it was going to be the unpopular decision, and I was probably going to be made an example of at the same point. I could not live with myself morally knowing other athletes or other females in the future would get this same treatment and would feel the way that I did or would be treated the same way. And I did nothing about it. And I had to say something. But in doing so, it ended my career. And so Mm. I'm fortunate that I was down in the U.S. I phoned up Team USA and USA Bobsled and said, hey, there's an opportunity here. Would you guys even entertain the idea. Would you welcome me on your team? Understanding I was a competitor for a long time. Um, I reached out to a couple of the athletes on Team USA. Is this okay with you? Understanding, again, you're kind of inviting the wolf into the hen house Uh, scenario. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, But at the same point- I thought about that part. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to make sure it was done right. It was done respectful of the other athletes that were in the program. At the same point, the team was very upfront. USA said, look, if you're an American resident, you can compete for us up until you also need to become a citizen um, to go to the games. And so, but we're not going to grant you any exception to come in. We don't care what you've done with Team Canada. You need to make the team like any other athlete or any other citizen or resident of the United States has to do, yeah. which I was fully okay with. Yeah. Um, I had to buy a bobsled, make the team fly out, do all of the processing that is required, be tested like every other athlete and earn my spot on Team USA. Mm-hmm. And I did that. And um, within my first year, I ended up becoming world champion. I'm now a three-time world champion for Team USA and got citizenship granted a couple months before this Olympics. There was a big <laughs> good timing <laughs> stressor on that. It worked out extremely perfectly, but there was a big stress that it wasn't going to come in in time just because anybody that's gone through immigration knows yeah. you don't know when you're going to get the call in. It's a letter. It could take six months. It could take 12 months. It's extremely difficult, as it should be, to become a citizen yeah. of, the, of the United States. And so I was a bit stressed, to say the least, but it all worked out timing-wise. And I was able to go to Beijing That's and great. represent a country that I feel proud to represent, that has backed me and provided a safe environment for me to be able to do what I love what and love. what it is I, I'm good at. Yeah. So in the your experience in Canada, it, it seems like from what the research I was doing, you weren't the only one who was feeling this. I saw something about a a letter from 60 plus uh, athletes complaining about a toxic environment there. Correct. So four years ago, I was the only one to stand up. 
but after to this past games in in 2022 in Beijing, um, it's now above 80. 80 current wow. athletes, um, some retired, some current, but 80 athletes within the bobsleigh program over the last couple of years have come forward to say that uh, the Bobsled Canada culture is toxic, full of abuse, harassment, discrimination, lack of safety, whether physical and or mental, and that they would like certain leadership to either resign or step aside, or they feel that the environment needs to change in order to move forward. Um, for me, it's a bit bittersweet. Yeah. I feel justified in what I did four years ago. For sure, yeah. I feel that by me standing up, it empowered other people to do it, which is great. And I'm so proud of the athletes, a part of Bobsled Canada right now for doing that. At the same point, it's sad that it's gotten to that point and that the athletes are not being treated safely, whether physical or mental. They don't feel that they're in a safe environment um, and that, you know, it's really hard and we have to fight for people to protect us, people that are hired and meant to be protecting us are the ones that we feel unsafe around. And so I am so happy that I am out of there, yeah. <laughs> um, that I'm in an environment now with Team USA. Don't get me wrong. Every country is not perfect. Sure. And I think what the United States has gone through with gymnastics and other taekwondo and other sports right. has really shone a light on safety and practices and the way that we treat athletes and how one bad apple can really ruin mm. an entire, not only person's life, career, but an entire organization. And um, I know the steps that are being taken. I have learned so much having been a part of this program from what other athletes have fought for, for athlete safety in the past. And we are miles ahead. We, honestly, we're miles ahead of where other countries are. We no longer are blind to it or ignorant to it. And change is starting to happen. Like I said, it's not perfect anywhere, but the fact that I can stand here today and honestly say I've been a part of a program where I was ignored and defeated to come to USA where um, the program and the culture is really starting to shift and the conversations are, you know, the first thought is how are the athletes protected in these environments? It's um, it's very refreshing. So Great. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome to hear that you feel tangibly, you know, uh, that you're in a, a safe environment now. And, and as you said, you can continue to pursue the passion that you love. Yeah. And what we're going to do is we're gonna take a brief pause okay. and then we're going to come back and we're going to uh, explore that passion a little bit more. So we've been talking with Kaylee Humphreys, Olympic gold medalist for the USA in the bobsled. So Kaylee, let's talk about the bobsled a little bit, because for those of us who are kind of the casual observer, it looks a bit psychotic. If we're just on <laughs> honest, I mean, you are barreling down this um, track that, I don't know, it, it doesn't even look like a stable track to me. It just looks like you are you got your life in your hands going a billion miles an hour down this thing. So how did you get into bobsled first? And then I want to transition to this new event that you were the, I think this is the first time the monos. Monobob, mono, how, how do you call it? Monobob. Monobob. You're correct. Was, um, was even uh, recognized in the Olympics. So I want to talk about that. But how'd you get into it in the first place? Where I grew up in, in Calgary, we had a bobsled track. The 1988 Olympics, which would mm. be the Cool Runnings Olympics for yes, anybody that's seen that yes, movie. Yes, of course. Um, with the Jamaican bobsled team. But that was the Olympics in 88. And so we had the facilities, we had the track, and it was kind of in my backyard. 
So I grew up ski racing and that was my first love within sport when I wanted to go to the Olympics and do. And when I was about 16, 17, I realized I just too many accidents, too many fears and crashes. And I wasn't at the level, nor was I ever going to be. And if I wanted to continue in sport, I needed to make a change. And that's when I started to look for other sports. I've always been really strong as a female. I got pretty big legs. And so uh, what could be good? How, how could I utilize this? And so I looked at speed skating. I looked at bobsledding. And I literally just went online and thought, maybe I could be good at this. And I showed up at a recruitment camp. So if anybody's out there and they think, honestly, maybe bobsled's for me or I want to give it a try, we have you know, camps that we do every single summer here in the U.S., all over the U.S. Come wow. out, try it. Sprinting, weightlifting, we do a combination, some throws. We want to find speed, but power and explosive power. So yeah. we don't need just strength. We don't need just speed. We need a combination. Um, I came from ski racing. I know there are women that came from soccer that have come from softball, track and field. So it really is this this niche of being able to move a very heavy, heavy object very quickly. So I just looked it up online, went and tried out, and within a year was on the national team. Within three years, went to my first Olympics and uh, have just kind of fallen, fallen in line there. since there. Well, there's four-man, two-man, and, of course, the newest one we'll talk about. What, what did you Mine. start at? Yeah. So women, our first Olympics that we were able to compete in for bobsled was 2002. Okay. Men have been competing in the Olympics for a very Longer. long time in yeah. both the two-man event and the four-man event. Yeah. And then women during the 80s and 90s fought very hard early 2000s for us to be in the Olympics in this event. And so 2002 was our first Olympics. So we got to enter. Uh, Jill Bakken and Vanetta Flowers from the U.S. won ah, gold at ah. that Olympics. And then... And that was, so that was That two, was two men. Just, so okay. women have only ever had oh, one okay. event at an Olympics. 2002, 2006, 10, 14, and 18. We've only, only ever had, had one, okay. one event, which was the two-man event. And then after 2014, I, I won gold. Yeah, I have always felt it was extremely unfair that we have one opportunity, yeah. men have two. And participation what, what is for the, women. I don't get why. Why? Why can't? Because literally it's been told to my face, we're not big enough, strong enough, fast enough, or skilled enough drivers in order to be able to drive the four-man event. Yeah, that's like yeah. not believable. I mean, come I know. on. I agree, but that's where the sport has been. No one wants to see women do that. What? You know, you guys are going to create a mockery of this sport. You're going to crash all over the place. No one wants to see girls get hurt. You're not good enough. All of come these conversations on. I have had. So in fighting for greater equality, greater opportunity, and equal medal opportunity within our sport, after 2014, I went to the head of our international federation. I'm like, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Um, not only are we going to talk about equality within the sport, but you're going to diminish a female athlete and the opportunities we have based on your preconceived notions. And that is not fair. And so we then talked about a brand new event and what could be offered, whether, and for years from 2015 to 2017, I took a women's crew on tour, I competed with a full men's crew against the men to show that women are skilled enough to drive the sleds with the men going just as fast on the exact same tracks That's in awesome. the exact same amount of races. I took an all-female crew one year to show, look, the women can do this. We competed against the men on the same tracks, the same amount of races yeah. um, to break down those stereotypes. Went to 2018 Olympics and then Fast forward after that, uh, 2019, they introduced a brand new event called Monobob. Monobob. So this now provides women equal medal opportunity at the Olympics for women's bobsled. So we have two events, men have two events. 
Men do two men, four men. Women do two men and mono. What I would love to see and will continue to push for is true equality where men get to also compete in mono and women get to do four men. Right. So that the sport grows and we've got three events for each gender. Um, At the same point, we'll... Step by step, I know know that's going to take a minute, but this was the first Olympics ever women have had the monobob event and that we've had a second event to compete in. So I know there's always this process to getting things accepted at the Olympic level. So has monobob been being competed in like on like world championships and now it's just finally an Olympic or what's the story there? Yes, it was a very quick turnaround for Monobob specifically. The IOC, the International Olympic Committee, um, is trying to really make a push again towards equality and medal opportunities within sport. And so um, we were able to kind of fast track Monobob, but it started as a development sport, which in our sport is called America's Cup. So it started over in Europe on the development circuits and North America on the development circuits. 2020 was the first ever women's Monobob world championship. Mm. And so we were able to actually have a world championships before the Olympic games and get to practice two events within the same world championship, kind of two week stretch, which then fast forward to 2022, we were able to compete at it at the Olympics. And so with that, with, um, you just said you're, you were practicing for two different events. So for these Olympics in 2022, that just happened, were you preparing for both mono and the two man bobsled? Yes, I was. Uh, and so, did, and then did you compete in the two man bobsled at Beijing? I did. Okay. Uh, I did, did not do very well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, I finished seventh, Okay. which, um, is not great for me, especially sure. because in the two man event all season, this year and the last couple of years, I was the reigning world champion from two men and mono from last year going into this past season. And so I, yeah, I just didn't have a great two man event. It was 10 days straight. I could give you every excuse under the sun, sure. but realistically it, this past four years was really hard. Yeah. Um, for My me, goodness. it was changing countries and starting again in the United States. And when I say that it's not just sport, it's finding all new sponsors, yes. all new support systems, moving countries, immigration, and having to become a citizen, rebuild credit because you lose all your credit history uh. when you change countries and nations. And literally I had to start again on every front. And so it it was definitely challenging. There was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of times I was really scared it wasn't gonna come to fruition and that I was gonna do all this hard work and have no guarantee of being able to go to the games, which you know, it's the creme de la creme, the biggest thing that we really work for once every four years. And so I'm very grateful for my environment, for my community, my neighbors, the sponsors that had came forward and supported me when I moved to the United States, regardless of if I was going to be able to compete at that top level in the Olympics. Um, and so the the belief in myself and who I am, as well as the community believing in me really made all the difference in the world. And so um, it was a hard four years. And I honestly, I, I just, I achieved every hope and goal and dream I could possibly think of by winning Olympic gold in Monobob, an event that I pushed for, for a country that I am so proud to represent by winning gold for the United States in Mono makes me the first and only female in Olympic history to have a gold medal for two separate countries, that's, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't know that till after yeah. when a bunch of media told me, but I was like, that's pretty cool. and glad that's I found it cool. out afterwards. But to know that that's the case. And again, I, I worked really hard to get to the top and I, I did it. 
and my body was like, okay, you're done. Yeah. Sounds good. My brain shut off. My body shut off. I mm. achieved everything I set out to achieve. And the two men week, I just had nothing left. Yeah. And that no, happens. it's understandable. Yeah. It happens, you know? So no I doubt. had a great games and then a very disappointing games all within the same 10 days. And uh, well, that's why I got to go back to 2026 and well, we'll, make sure we'll I get can to both. that in just a second. <laughs> yeah. But so um, we need to give a quick shout out here to your husband, Travis. Is that yes, right? Correct. So, so he, um, as a U.S. citizen, you you guys got married and that helped your whole transition 100%. and made that yep. uh, possible. And I'm glad to hear that you were welcomed by new sponsors, even though they didn't know that. Um, whether it be successful, you being becoming a citizen, being able to compete in Beijing for the U.S. But because um, I feel like you know, as a as a country of immigrants, we we do welcome those who want to come and and uh, represent us well. But I really have to know how does a winter athlete end up a Carlsbad resident? Because we <laughs> don't have a lot of winter here in Carlsbad. Yes. Um, so in. When my boyfriend, then now husband, uh, were dating, it was one of those, okay, we want to take our relationship to the next level. We're going to move in. I'm in Canada. We've been doing long distance for a period of time already. You're in the U.S. One of us has to move. And yeah. It was a very easy choice. <laughs> He's originally from Kansas, but he had been down in California for about 10 years. And so it was, I mean, who doesn't want to live here, right. realistically? It's coming paradise. to California. So I was like, I'll do it. And in moving down and in building my relationship with my husband, the goal was never to compete for the United States. It right. was always to continue to live down here, become a citizen and a resident. My grandfather's an American citizen. Oh, nice. So um, I have family history here, but yeah. that was, my personal was going to be very separate from my professional and I was going to continue to compete for Canada. I'm a lucky athlete. I'm one that I can honestly say has gone through abuse, harassment, discrimination from a coach, but was able to succeed on the opposite end. I had to remove myself, start again in a brand new country, but I had the option to, and most athletes don't have those options. They don't have the ability to seek elsewhere and be able to take the skill that they've been working their life for and transition to another team or country. Um, and so I had that opportunity. I'm very grateful that I had that opportunity um, at the same point. You know, it's... It was hard, um, but my husband was there every single step of the way, and he has been my biggest supporter and fan, and regardless of what was going to happen, our life was going to move forward, and I couldn't have done any of it without him. Yeah, that's great. And is he in the Olympic athlete world as well? Is that how you guys met? We met online through Facebook. <laughs> um, we had a bunch of mutual friends in common. So six or seven bobsledders that we had in common. He competed for Team USA in 2009 for a year in bobsled. Gotcha. And uh, we didn't know each other then. We had never met each other. We were on different circuits at the time. But it allowed for us to have mutual friends fast forward to years later in 2015 and to start a conversation online. And so that's how we met. And then I came down, visited him. He came up to Canada multiple times, visited. Sure. And then eventually after about a year, year and a bit, then we decided to move in together down here. The rest is history. Rest That's is history. awesome. Yes. So you already teased it up a little bit, but um, I mean, you've, you're have you a three-time Olympic gold medalist, got 10 world championship medals, five-time world champion. 
but it doesn't sound like you're done. It sounds like you still got something in the tank, fire burning. Yes, definitely. I feel like I'm just getting started with Team USA. There's, <laughs> you know, it, it worked and I got to go to 2022, but there was no guarantee it was going to come in time that immigration was going to fast forward and I was going to meet all the deadlines and qualify to be able to compete. And so I am so honored and proud that it did. And I want, and the goal was always to head to 2026 and make that um, another games, just thinking long-term and then realistically also wanting to be able to continue to do what it is that I love. And I've proven I'm still top of my game. I have more room to improve as well, to be able to do both events at the high level in two men and mono. There's more within the sport I want to fight for with equality and participation for women. And uh, I have fun and I love what I do. So I want to be able to represent the United States one more time and hopefully bring back two gold medals. That's awesome. It's got to be a grind though, The 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 what it takes to stay at that elite level at that, um, both to qualify for the Olympics. And then of course your goals are to do more than qualify. You want to win. And now you don't want to just win one. You want to win in two different sports. So tell us a little bit about what your regimen is, you know, because it's exciting to like go for it, but that's four more years of a grind. What what does it look like? It is. It's it's definitely a grind. Part of why I choose to live in California and in this area, I spend enough time in the winter months. And for bobsledders specifically, we, there's nowhere in the summer we can go and do bobsled. So as long as I've got a track to sprint on, a weight room to lift some weights in, I can physically train. So I'm, I'm going to live in the sunshine and the happy and the consistent because the winter is definitely a grind in the snow and the cold for long periods of time. And I have the ability to do that with the sport that I do. Um, at the same point, yes, four years is a long time. And it definitely... That would, that would make your fifth Olympics, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yep. Wow. It not, not a lot of athletes can say that. No. In and um, of itself. Not five... Yeah, five competing. It will have been, yeah, a long career. I yeah. started my first Olympics I went to was 2006. I was an alternate. So I've technically been to five already, right, okay. but competed in four. Um, and so I think ending a career or being able to go to 2026, Italy to Italy, 06 to 2026 seems like a, wow. a good full circle moment. And so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. At the same point, four years is a long time, but mm -hmm. I'm very motivated to continue to give back to the country that has provided me so much opportunity. And uh, like I said, I... I'm not lacking for motivation when my goals, yes, are clearly to win and to win on the Olympic stage, um, but also to push the sport forward. And so when I look at all the women that are up and coming and how hard they continue to push me and what I want to seek and the change I want to see within our sport, that provides a lot of motivation. And um, yeah, I'll continue to work for another four years. And so the summer we trained against sprinting, weightlifting, um, my husband and I built a little metal frame bobsled that I push up and down my street and my, my cul-de-sac and my block that kind of, <laughs> it's just on wheels, but it allows me to kind of push something. And then if throughout the summer, I'll head to Lake Placid in upper state New York as well. They have an indoor ice facility that allows us to practice our pushing. So I'll head out there a couple times for a couple weeks throughout the summer. And then the winter is spent on the world cup circuit traveling every single week to a new place around the world and and competing and it culminates in other world championships and then in that fourth year 
an Olympics. Are World Championships annual or are they biannual? Or they're annual. They're annual. Yeah. So they... We do a World Cup circuit every year. So we have eight races that consist of a World Cup where we travel to different places every single week for eight races. Um, and then we have a World Championships every year. So nine races total. And so then it gives you something to really continue to keep yourself at peak form to compete correct. with those. Yeah. Yep. And then in the Olympics, we take the World Championships out and we inject the Olympics Replace into, it. but we still have a full World Cup circuit to do. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Best of luck to you as Thank you continue you. to, you know, train and keep yourself at that peak performance level for four more years. We'd love to have you on Team USA and especially yes. as a North County resident here. It's a, it's awesome when we have that kind of connection that we can see on the national scale. And I feel like when your um, story bursts, it kind of like, it was like, oh, Olympic champion, and she's from Carlsbad, and everybody was like, "What?" what? <laughs> and then yes. the whole story kind of flowed out. Um, but now that we already know you, it'd be like even cooler if you if you made it and uh, were able to to succeed. So best of luck. Thank um, you. Hoping I appreciate it. All the best as you continue to advocate both for you know that full equality and then also for you to compete. Yes, thanks appreciate for, it. Thanks for joining us today. Of course, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on our Carlsbad People, Purpose, and Impact podcast today. If you enjoyed it, please hit the follow button on wherever you get your audio. And please tell a friend. We would love to hear your feedback, which you can share at carlsbadpodcast.com. You can leave us a review, ask a question, or leave an audio comment, which we can play on the show in the future. And that's all we have for today. Can't wait to see you next time on Carlsbad people, purpose, and impact. And remember, share some kindness today. It's free, creates goodwill, and makes you feel great.